everybody. Good morning. Welcome to High Desert Word Center. Who is glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. We are going to have a fantastic service together, and uh, we got a lot going on today, so uh, just hold on to your seats and stick with us, but it's going to be an action-packed, power-packed service for the glory of God. Amen. Can we stand up together this morning? We are going to open up, just like we always do, by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. Who believes that America is coming to Jesus today? Amen. We are going to keep speaking it out and keep proclaiming it every day. Amen. Let's speak these words of faith together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise today. Hallelujah. All right. Well, we're going to take a few minutes, just like we always do, to go around and do a little meet and greet time. So go find somebody, give them a handshake, high five, fist bump, hug, and let everybody get some love today. Amen. Let's go. Can wash away my sin, nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow.
20 things, okay? <laughs> so either get your little calendar out if you still write it down or get your phone out. One of the only times in church that we say get your phone out, but you know, get some stuff into your calendar, write it down. Don't call me in the middle of the week and tell me you didn't know. Just, it happens. It was announced. Okay. Yeah, you know who you are. We love you. Yes. Okay, anyway, today is General Store, which we haven't had in a little while. And if you don't know what General Store is, our children's church earns points for any time they uh, show up, bring offering, bring their Bible, uh, participate in class, bring a friend, all kinds of things. And then they get points just because the teachers love them. And so uh, they get like hundreds and hundreds of points for being nice. Yeah. Anyway, they have a general store upstairs with all kinds of toys and things that um, are for people who just really love these kids. Amen. And our children's director, Leah Mata, wave at everyone. <clears throat> she really, really loves kids and loves ministering to them for Jesus Amen. and has a great heart for that. So she buys things like slime, silly putty, Nerf guns, skateboards. Wow. Things that are somewhat outlawed in my house. Play-Doh. Play-Doh, puzzles, glitter. glitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, your kids are going to be so happy today, <laughs> and they've earned all these points for coming to church and loving Jesus. Amen, amen. And you're going to act like you're so excited for them. Okay? Do not tell them 
oh, fun. To be like, oh, look at how many points you earned for serving God. Look, he rewarded you. How cool. And then tomorrow when they leave it out, you just throw it away. It's fine. Okay. And then when you feel guilty about it, then you put offering in to children's ministry to help pay for general store the it's next It's a cycle. Time. We go through It's this. a cycle. It's wonderful. Yeah. When I throw away the slime and I get convicted, then I just put more money into children's and <laughs> then they bring home more slime. Anyway, general store today, it's up in this room. So all of the children's church students, all the jam students will be up in this room. That'll be pre-K through fifth grade. You will pick up upstairs up here. Also in the same vein of Children's Church, there is a huge Burtek box on either side of the information booth. That's because Easter is coming. Yes. yes. Like so fast. Woo. I thought we were just done with Christmas. Easter is like tomorrow. Anyway, we do a massive egg hunt, a scripture egg hunt. So they get candy, but they also get the word of God. And we also use it as an outreach. So it is time for us to start buying candy and eggs. So that's what those boxes are for. And we have them out. And I just know that because you love God, you're going to keep walking through those doors with bags of eggs and candy so that you can pray over them and believe God for your family and your neighbors. Praise the Lord. FPU starts tonight. Was anyone here last week? Raise your hand if you were in church last week. Okay, there's like 10 of you. That's so sad. Okay, so Financial Peace University starts tonight. If your money is a mess and you've been crying out to the Lord about it, you need to be there. Okay, so if you have not signed up or you need to sign up, hdwc.org slash FPU. You can also go sit in on this class just to, you know, see what it's about. And then you can sneak out if you don't want to. But you're going to love it. It's fine. And there's also a few scholarships available. So scholarships are a beautiful and wonderful thing if you value them. So we also know what it's like for someone to get a scholarship and then not care. And they just don't show up. We order all the materials and whatever. So if you know that God has told you to go and you haven't figured out a way or seen the Lord move for you to be able to go, hello, this is your sign, okay? This is the Lord telling you it's time to get your money straight so he can bless you and use you in blessing others. So, FPU starts tonight. It is at 5.30 in Victory Hall. There is child care available. Child care will be in this building, so you want to make sure and sign in your kids. The cost this year is $79.99. When I went, it used to be $99, so they've like even cut the price down even more. So, FPU tonight, 5.30, yes. okay? And then it goes for nine weeks. Young Adults is coming. It's back. I'm excited. We haven't done Young Adults since like October, November, but it is this Saturday at 11 a.m. at Six Beans Coffee. So we told you last week you can come, you can kind of scope it out and then go to Subway if you're not going. (laughs) But you at least need to go scope it out, okay? So 18 to 25-ish, Six Beans Coffee this Saturday, 11 a.m. Also, guess what else is this weekend? Mom's 75th yeah. birthday. <laughs> it's the best. So Friday night is women's. Saturday is young adults. Sunday is mom's birthday party, yes. Miss P's birthday party. Amen. So it's a busy, busy weekend, but it's going to be so much fun. It's going to be so fun. So Friday night, ladies, if you've got a little pink, pink thing, you are going to bring finger foods and kids. 
not tons of kids, girl kids, um, who can come and sit and listen. And she's talking about how children can be confident, okay? And we also have some other resources to go with that, which is just so fun and cool. And it's a great resource to be able to be a good parent. So Friday night, women's 6.30. Saturday, young adults, 6 beans, 11 a.m. Sunday morning, birthday party. And you all know your instructions. You're supposed to have a card, you know, Mm -hmm. and your gift and all the things. If you need more information on that, stop at the info booth. And Robert has a sign-up sheet. Robert has a sign-up sheet for food. It's here for sign-up sheets. I don't think they get enough credit, honestly. And we're doing Miss P-style food, so it's going to be really, really fun. Um, Also, that Monday, we're not stopping there. We're just going to do a whole week of churchiness. It's going to be fun. Monday night is family art night. And if you missed it the last time, you really need to be at this one. You go to Dollar Tree or Dollar General and get a tiny canvas for a dollar, two dollars. You bring your canvas. And then the church provides the paint and the brushes and the party. So you're going to come with all your kids and we're going to make a mess and create things. And it's really, really fun. Really, really fun. So that will be in Victory Hall Monday, 313 at 630. And then the end of that week is the missions yard sale. If you have stuff to donate, you need to get with Cindy, who's in children's church or Summer, who I don't see right now. Raymond. Hi, Raymond. He's behind the camera. Everyone see Raymond? Stare at Raymond. It's not awkward at all. Okay. The yard sales at Raymond's house, and he would love to help you get whatever it is to his house. It is at, well, I'm not going to say that right now. They have, they have where your house is at. I'm not going to announce it to the world. It's in town. See Raymond if you have stuff to donate. If you would like to participate or go, it is Saturday morning at 318. Maxine. Yes. 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 You bring your own canvas. The church supplies the paint and the paint brushes and the party. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We'll bring the fun. We'll bring the fun. You just bring the canvas. You just bring the canvas. Okay. Also, guess what else is happening this month? At the end of the month. It's not all in the same week. Okay. So the busy week has ended with the yard sale (laughs) on the 18th of March. Julius Morar, our missionary to India. Yes. He's amazing and he's so funny. He's so, so funny. He is a fireball. He's just a fireball for the Lord. It's awesome. He's a missionary to India and Nepal and he lives, uh, when he's not overseas, he lives in Riverside. So he's going to come up on 326 and be with us that Sunday. Please make sure that you're here. It is so awesome. Absolutely. So, so awesome. Also, if you are with us for the first time, or the first time in a long time, can you just wave at me a little? We got a gift for you. We have a gift for you. <laughs> Amen. No? Okay. Hi! Yes, we met. Wonderful. I'm so glad that you're with us today. And there's a card in there. If you want to fill out your information and take it to the info booth, they will have a gift for you after yeah. service. Amen. We're really glad that you're with us. Yes. Really glad. Okay. So we want to do something really important right now. We have an individual in our church who had it in his heart for years and years to become a police officer. Mm-hmm. And he worked really hard to take care of his family and bless his family and to help his wife accomplish her dream. And their family has just been the picture of what it's like to live victorious. 
victorious in Christ. It's just really great. And to stand on the word and to live it through. So this week, he's supposed to start on on the academy the Barstow, and Police, Barstow Department. Police Department. Yes. So Nick and Sabrina Alva. Nick and Sabrina, come on. If you would come forward. We want to agree as a family over you. Amen. Yeah, can we stand up together, church family? We want to lay hands on Nick as he starts uh, his police training this week. And he'll be entering the academy full-time uh, at the end of March. And uh, we're just praying for the blessing of the Lord to be upon him and upon the whole family as he goes through the training and everything. And we're super proud of Nick and Sabrina and the kids. And the Lord has absolutely just done so many wonderful, miraculous things. We're really proud. But it's also good news for Barstow because Barstow and every city in America needs born-again, spirit-filled police officers. Amen. And so... This is, uh, this is, this is good all around. This is a win for, for this family, but for Barstow. And so we're gonna lay hands on them and just be in agreement that God's, uh, hand is upon him the whole way. We know that it is. And that he is absolutely rising to the top and, uh, just exceeding anything that is thrown against him through all of this. Amen. Let's lay hands on them. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for Nick and Sabrina both and the whole family. But Lord, right now we're playing, we're laying hands on Nick and we thank you, Jesus, that as he goes in to this training and as he starts the academy here in just a few weeks, Lord, we know that you're with him. You said that you would never leave us. You would never forsake us. And Lord, you said that you would be with us always, even to the end of the world. And so we know that you're with him. There's no doubt about that. But Lord, we are praying right now for the blessing of God to be upon him. I thank you, Jesus, that he always rises to the top at everything that is thrown against him, Lord. And just like you promised Abraham, you said that whatever you set your hand to will be blessed. And Lord, I thank you that that same blessing and that same promise is going to rest upon Nick right now. Everything that he sets his hand to is blessed. He is successful. He is prosperous. And Lord, he is safe and protected in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that throughout his career, that he's got the wisdom of God. He's got discernment. He's got just the anointing of God every day that he goes in to work every day that he serves this community. He is safe. He is anointed. He's got the wisdom of God. And we thank you, Jesus. You're blessing him. You're blessing his marriage. You're blessing his kids. You're blessing everything in his life right now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We thank you that it's done in Jesus name. Can everybody say amen today? Amen. All right. Love you, brother. All right. And mom, my mom's going to pray for Sabrina too. Amen. Okay. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for Sabrina. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the godly wife and mother that she is, for the godly businesswoman that she is in town. And Father, we just thank you, Lord, that she, she has the assurity that the Lord God Almighty is taking care of her husband, that no weapon that is formed against him shall prosper in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, for peace for Sabrina and for the children, Father. We thank you, Lord, that he comes home every single day safe and sound. And, Father, we just thank you that that's the way it is. Satan, we bind you in Jesus' name from causing any any harm to this family in any way at all, any any uh, 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 worrying or anything like that. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that we're assured, Lord, that, that Nick's in the hands of the Almighty Father, and he's out there doing the job that you called him to do. And Sabrina's at peace, Father. We just give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen.
All right, I can tell you, there is nobody I've ever met that is better cut out to be a police officer than this guy. He's full of love and wisdom and patience, and he's also really strong. So that's good news, too. Amen. All right, love you guys. Okay, well, it is happy time, and so uh, I'm going to have Pastor come on up this morning and do our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. And if you're like, well, what's happy time? Well, the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. So we have decided to be cheerful in our giving. Amen? All right. Thank you, Jesus. God is good. And His mercy endures forever. Hey, man. Where where, where did officers... uh, Nick, go. There you are right there. Nick, I just think that she prayed for discernment. Just know this. You ever pull a Holy Ghost man over and he goes like this? That means he's praising the Lord, not surrendering. But if you pull a crook over and he does that, you need to have discernment. This is a crook. <laughs> uh, that, that comes to the territory. When you get to be our age, you get the old man jokes out of nowhere. They just come up and it just happens. Hallelujah. Open up your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 48. We're going to look at verse 16, 17. And hold up your hands for the envelope for your tithes or your offerings. And uh, I'm going to read verse 16, 17. You're going to end up focusing on verse 17. But when I was looking at this a little bit ago... I was thinking about Pastor Dave teaching on the Trinity, and I saw the outline going to be teaching on the Holy Spirit today. And this verse 16, if you want to see the three gods that are separate, but they're one, look at verse 16. The Bible says, God talking, Come ye near unto me, hear ye this. I have not spoken in secret from the beginning, for the time that it was, there am I. And now the Lord God and His Spirit has sent me. He said, there am I. And now the Lord God and His Spirit sent me. And so right there's the three in one, as Pastor Dave's teaching today. Just it's, it's all through the Word of God. You see that they're separate, but they're one. And if your head tries to figure all that out sometimes, man, you just go wacky. But the thing is, there is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from Genesis to Revelation. But he said, he said, the Lord has sent me. And then look at this, what he says, verse 17. Now we're talking about uh, prosperity about Christians have financial success and teach an FPU to help you with that. But look at this. Thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord thy God, which teaches thee how to file for bankruptcy. Teaches thee how to go broke. God is good. He wants you to win in life. God cares about your money more than you do. I want to say this again. God cares more about your money than you do because when Christians prosper, there's financing for missionaries, financing for Sunday school classes, for children's things, for church to bring people in to learn how to be free and, and how to serve God and not be addicted all the time. And so God wants Christians to prosper. He says, teaches thee to profit. And that profit there means a valuable return. It means to gain financially. And I like this part right here because this, this is what your money's all about. The excess of returns over expenditures in a transaction or series of transactions. You ought to be able to look at your checkbook or your savings, whatever you got going on, and you ought to be able to see you've got a whole lot more coming in than going out. You should never be in the negative. You should always be in the positive. And God said, I'll teach you how to do that to where your checkbook will always balance. 
where no matter how much you have going out, you always got more coming in. How many want to live that way? Amen. I'll tell you what, it sure is good to know that no matter how much gas costs or eggs cost or milk costs or whatever it is you're paying, it sure is good to know that whatever it is, if they increase, God will increase you. Amen. You always got more than enough. He says, I'm the Lord thy God, which will teach you to profit, which leadeth thee by the way that thou shouldest go. Which leadeth thee by the way that thou shouldest go. How many know that if God is leading and you're following, he's not leading you into a trap? The whole key to all that is this. Make sure that you know how to follow the leading of God. And that's why churches like this are being raised up everywhere to teach people how to follow God. Tonight I'm going to be teaching about how to follow the plan of God. But the bottom line is, the Word of God is the plan of God for all believers. And God said, I'll teach you to profit and lead thee by the way thou shouldest go. Did anybody here ever go to school? I, I don't know what they're like now. I hear things and see things and know we got a lot of good teachers. But when I went to school, we had things we had to look at called books. Now, whatever class you were in, they had the book for that class. And the teacher's the one that taught out of the book that was made for that class. So if God teaches you, don't you think he'd have a book? What's it called? The Bible. And so when God teaches you in the Bible how to prosper, he's going to take, take you to chapter Malachi 3. He's going to take you to chapter Luke 6, 38. And all those say the same thing. God wants you to bring a tithe to him so he can bless you. He wants you to be a person that gives and you get more return off the giving than what you gave. That's the way God works. He teaches that in the book, but he wants you to follow the plan. Amen? And so God does want us to prosper. Well, let's stand up. We'll make a financial faith confession over our tithes, over our offerings, and then bring them up there to the Lord. And uh, when you come up here, worship the Lord for your tithe. Be thanking him on the way up for what he's done, what he's going to do, what you believe he's going to do. And just thank you for the blessings of God. We need to learn to trade ourselves to be more thinkers than we are askers. And I'll tell you what, when you get when you start getting this Thanksgiving part together, you'll notice the asking is going to be decreasing and decreasing because you're just going to have it all the time. He's taking care of it. Amen? All right. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, to meet all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take care of my family, give generously into the kingdom of God, promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. for worship and let's worship the Lord together today
love your voice. I love your voice. You let us through the fire. You have led me through the fire and darkest nights. You are close like no other. I know you as a father. I know you as a in the goodness of God.
Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Who knows this morning that he is faithful? Amen. We can't ever, there's not a person in here that could think of a time where the Lord abandoned you, where the Lord turned his back on you. Amen. Now, I know, hey, there's maybe been times that I kind of did my own thing and walked away, and that's my bad, and the Lord forgave me and restored me, but there's never been a moment that he has walked away from me or abandoned me. In fact, he said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And he, amen has been a man of his word. In fact, in the book of Numbers, it says that God is not a human, so he does not lie. Humans lie. People will let you down. Even good people sometimes will let you down. But guess what? He does not lie. He never makes mistakes. He never lets us down. He has been nothing but good to us. Can we give the Lord some praise together today? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, this morning, um, you can make your way to your seats for just a minute. Uh, we have kind of a special ceremony today um, that we're going to do that we have not done before. And uh, I, I told you earlier that this is just an action-packed Sunday. And uh, we've got a lot. We still have communion towards the uh, end of the message today. And so we've got a lot going on, but it's all really incredible stuff. And so let me tell you a bit this morning. This is a little bit of a, a little bit of church business for the family right here. Uh, but I'm really excited about this. And what we're going to be doing today is we are going to be commissioning um, some people in the church that are going to be in the position that the Bible calls an elder. Now, in our type of church, um, you know, we're spirit-filled, charismatic, non-denominational. We don't always do everything like every, you know, like like a lot of churches do. A lot of things we do similar, a lot of things we do different. And uh, just one thing that we've never specifically done is put people in the position where we give them the title elder. And the Lord has directed us to kind of do this with a few people. And so I'm going to give a little bit of the backstory. Just bear with me for just a few minutes here. And. Uh, and then we're going to be laying hands on a few people this morning for this position uh, that the Bible calls an elder. And I'm really excited about this. But here's where it all kind of all started to, to uh, where the Lord kind of brought this to us. Um, if you've been at our church very long at all, um, you know that the church has grown at a very fast rate. Uh, you may not be able to tell it this morning because there's a lot of people that are receiving healing. There's, you know, that, that the devil's trying to put some sickness on. So we have a lot of people that aren't with us today. A lot of them are watching online, which is great. Um, but our church since 2020 has grown at what we would call a really fast rate. In fact, at the end of 2022, there had been about a 66% increase in attendance from 2020. So that's incredible. And I believe me, not every, and I, I know, I thank God for that. Not every, uh, church across the board has been in that same position, uh, through COVID. And, uh, I realize that God's really blessed us. And a lot of that, I believe, has to do with our obedience to not shut the church down during COVID. And we caught some heat for that, caught a little bit of hate, got some letters, but it's okay, uh, because God blessed it. God blessed that decision and nothing but good has happened since then. So with, fast growth, uh, really also has shown us that Pastor Katie and I have limitations. The more people, it's wonderful, and we want it, 
But, you know, we simply cannot answer every phone call right away, every text message, every DM on social media, every, uh, you know, it's a lot. And we're reaching well over 300 people a week right now, which is incredible. But we do know that we want to take care of everybody and pastor them very, very well. And so I've been, I was praying about this towards the end of last year. And, um, you know, in the Old Testament, Moses came to a place where he couldn't handle everything on his own. So his father-in-law, if you're familiar with the story, gives him some wisdom on setting up a leadership structure as to how to handle um, all of the people and all of the needs. And it worked. And then in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, the church explodes with growth. Acts chapter 2, the Christian church as we know it is started. And within a very short amount of time, it is thousands and thousands of people. And the apostles couldn't keep up with the preaching and with all the other day-to-day things, all right? And so uh, they came up with a plan as to raise up some leaders to help them handle the load. And I know, man, we want to we want to be preaching hot, fiery sermons every week from this pulpit. Who likes a fresh word every week? You don't want to hear it? Yeah, amen. And so that's really what we want to be able to focus on, and we want to be able to do that. And that was the same thing that happened in the book of Acts. So in Acts chapter 6, uh, they set aside, they prayed about it, and they got a list of, of seven men that the Lord told them, these are guys that you need to help raise up to, to take care of the needs of the church. And in Acts chapter 6, verse 7, after they did this, the Bible says, then the word of God spread, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And so when the apostles raised up leaders that didn't hurt the church of Jerusalem. It only made it to where the word of God spread quicker and the church multiplied greatly as the scripture tells us. So I'm trying to get to the point here. In the fall of last year, I was talking to God about this. I'm like, Lord, you know, uh, what can we do to manage, you know, the wonderful things that you've given us? And so the, the Lord showed me leadership wise to have two different leadership groups to help manage the church. And that's what we've got going on now. One group is our department directors and there's about 15 of them and they're all in charge of different areas like ushering, like children's ministry, like media, bookstore uh, and coffee bar. Uh, I mean, there's so many different areas. I'm, I'm going to forget if I try to go through it, but there's about 15 department directors that help run the nuts and bolts end of things, the logistical side and the management side. And so uh, they're doing a fantastic job and they're growing their areas. I'm so proud of uh, Alex, man. He's one of our new directors. This guy, I mean, good Lord. He's got, I did, we haven't done all of the videos yet, but I mean, he's got drone footage of the property at night and it is just incredible with the media and uh, just the photography and the social media. He's doing a, a great job with that. But that's an example of one of the department directors. Um, but then uh, the Lord showed me to help manage the uh, pastoral care or the spiritual guidance end of things, which is where we really need help. Um, uh, the Lord uh, gave us um, this idea and this vision to raise up an elder team, which is what the Bible calls it. And so um, Pastor Katie and I, mom and dad, Josh and Julie, Pastor Josh and Julie, we prayed long and hard on all this and asked God, well, if we do this, who do you want to be on this team? Because I'm not making this decision. It's going to have to be God's decision. I didn't make any decisions on this. It was the Lord. So the Lord showed us uh, who to put in this 
this capacity right now. And so what's going to happen is when somebody serves as an elder here in the church, they don't vote on things or things like that. We're not a vote-driven church. (laughs) But uh, what they'll do is they'll serve in this capacity for one year at a time. And they'll help us with things such as uh, visiting people. Uh, We try to do a lot of that, going to the hospital to see you if I'm not available or Pastor Katie. Spiritual guidance. We do a lot of guidance. You know, uh, we don't use the word counseling. We use the word guidance. All right. I am not Dr. Phil and I don't want to be Dr. Phil. Uh, amen. But, you know, we do guidance for marriages, for, you know, family issues. And some weeks, I mean, a couple weeks ago, we had 10 or 12 of those appointments in one week between Pastor Katie and I, Josh and Pastor Josh and Julie. And so, you know, it's a lot to keep up with. And we want to take care of everybody's needs. I don't want anybody feeling like they don't have time for me because we do. And we want to take care of you really, really well. And so the people that the Lord has uh, shown us who to use for this first year uh, are people, I want you to know right now, they're people that I trust. They're people that I would go to if I needed to talk to somebody, all right? And so oftentimes somebody, you know, wants to talk and they only want to talk to me or they especially only want to talk to Pastor Katie, all right? She's the most popular woman in Barstow. And that's great. We're honored. We're thrilled. We're flattered. But we can't always do it all. Do you under, do you, church, do you hear me on that? Do you hear my heart on that? It's not that we don't care. We just want to be able to take care of everybody and sometimes... We can't get to it for a little while, and we want you to be taken care of. So the people that we're going to lay hands on today for this first year of elder ministry are people that I trust. They live up. They're being held to a high standard. They're being held to a higher standard than anybody else in the congregation, according to 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1. An elder has to live a very clean and holy life. And I've told them this, and I, you know, and they know this, all right? And so these aren't perfect people because no one's perfect, and the pastor is especially not perfect. So, uh, hey, these aren't perfect people, but this is who God told us to use for this first year. At the end of a year, they can either say, hey, I, I want a break, or we can say, hey, the Lord's telling us to put somebody else on that spot this year. Thank you for your service. You know, something like that. And then next year, there's a lot of people in this church that are qualified biblically to serve in the role of elder. So next year, this time, there's going to be some of you different ones that are going to be called upon to serve in this role as well. So anyway, with all that being said, we wanted to take today and anoint these people, lay hands on them, and commission them for the year ahead of pastoral care, ministry service, elder service. And so sometimes, hey, if you're in the hospital and uh, you need someone to come pray with you, it could be one of these guys, but don't know if that's because I don't care and I don't have time for you or Pastor Katie or my parents don't. It's because they're well qualified and I trust them and the Lord trusts them in this position. Amen. Do you see where we're coming from today on that? Amen. Isn't God good that he has blessed us with all this? And trust me, we're still doing every, anything and everything we can to make these visits and do these sessions and, and be at every single thing we can be at. But sometimes we just can't be in two places at once, all right? Can we stand up together? I'm going to call our elder team forward that's going to serve for 2023. I need Walter and Ilea Easterling. Amen. I need... Uh, Lawrence and Leah. Lawrence is receiving healing at home today, so he can't be with us. But he is watching online, so we love you, my brother. I need Rosalinda Palakiko to come forward, please. Amen. 
Then I need Jesse and Desiree Garcia. And Desiree's also at home. Desiree is also at home receiving healing today, just like a lot of our other church members are. So we're lifting them up in prayer. But we're going to lay hands on these guys today and commission them for the year ahead for the role of being an elder. And just believe that God's going to bless them and use them in this area. And uh, amen. And so this is just, this is very helpful. And this helps Pastor Katie and I to be able to uh, manage and pastor the church as well. So I'm really excited about this. So we're going to anoint them with oil. And, you know, the Bible also talks about in James chapter 5 that if there's any sick among you, they can call for the elders of the church to anoint them with oil and pray the prayer of faith. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, according to James chapter 5. So we're laying hands on these guys today. We're going to anoint them with oil. And as a church family, I'm asking if we could please um, release our hands together. Amen. We're going to get the pastoral team to get some anointing oil. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to anoint them right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can you release your hands this way, congregation, really quick? Praise the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. We'll start down here with uh, with Jesse. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, we anoint Jesse right now for the position of being an elder, Lord, over this next year. I thank you, Lord, that you are giving him wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And, Lord, blessing him and his family as they serve in this role. And I thank you, Jesus, that he's got the wisdom of God. If he needs to guide somebody, if he needs to pray for somebody, if he needs to help somebody, Lord, he can do it with the same anointing and the same authority, Lord, that, that any of us are doing it with, Father. We thank you, Jesus that he is commissioned right now to be an elder for this coming year. And we thank you that it's done right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for your anointing upon him in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to go to Walter right now and lay hands on him. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we lay hands on Walter in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for your anointing on him, your calling upon his life. And we thank you that he has stepped up into this position. Lord, give him the grace, give him the anointing, give him the wisdom, knowledge, and understanding to serve your people well. Lord, this is to serve the people. And we thank you, Jesus, that he's got every ounce of anointing and grace that it takes to fulfill this call. We commission him now for the position of elder in the name of Jesus. We thank you that it's done in Jesus' name. Thank you for your grace, Lord. And Lord, we're going to lay hands on Ilea right now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Thank you, Jesus, that she is called, she is anointed, she is equipped, and she's got every bit of grace and anointing that she needs to serve you, Lord, and to serve your people well. Thank you, Jesus, that she's got wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And she always knows what to do and how to handle it, Lord, because of your anointing and your grace. Thank you, Jesus, that she is commissioned into this position, into this role for the year ahead. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, that it's done. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. And Lord, we lay hands on Rosalinda. And we thank you, Jesus, that she is gifted. She is anointed. She is called. She's got the grace of God to be able to fulfill this call and this position. In Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, that she always knows what to do because of the Holy Spirit, because of the anointing of God. And we thank you, Lord, that she's got wisdom, knowledge, and understanding to fulfill this purpose. And we thank you, Jesus, that you are with her every step of the way. She's anointed, she's graced, she's commissioned for the year ahead. We thank you for it in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And now, Lord, we lay hands on Leah in Jesus' mighty name. 
We thank you, Lord, for her years of faithful service already, Lord. But we thank you that this is a new position. This is a new call. This is a new thing. And I thank you, Lord, that your grace and your anointing is on her for the year ahead, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, she's got the wisdom, knowledge, and understanding that she needs to always be able to handle every situation. Thank you, Lord, for the grace of God. In Jesus' name, Lord. And we commission her right now for this position, for this role, for the year ahead. And we thank you, Lord, that you are using her in a great big way. And she's got it, Lord. She's got it. She's got every bit that she needs to serve you and to serve the people well. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you that it's done. In Jesus' name, praise you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Isn't the Lord good? His mercy endures forever. Amen. Pastor Katie, do you want to say something? Did you? Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, praise the Lord. You guys may be seated this morning. I'm excited about this new area of ministry. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hey, Jesse, can you come here real quick? I need Jesse Garcia. Thank you. All right. Let's give the Lord one more shout of praise today. Amen. The Lord is good. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Who's ready to get into the Word of God today? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I am excited. Uh, if you have not been with us in some of the previous weeks, uh, we have been doing a series since the new year started called Roots. Does anybody remember what we've been talking about in here? Amen. Who knows the 2023 theme verse for High Desert Word Center? Oh, oh boy. Oh boy. Oh no. I've got three months of makeup work to do right now. Who knows the 2023 theme verse for High Desert Word Center? Somebody. Yes. Does anybody know what it says? That's exactly right. If you didn't catch that, then that's shame on you. You should have caught that. All right. Very good. So what we're talking about is letting your roots grow down into Him. Let your roots grow down into Him. And just a little bit of rewind really quick in case you haven't been here. So we are discussing really growing and maturing in your faith this year. And we know this much, that a tree can only grow as strong and tall as its roots will allow. Don't don't have this vision of being a 200-foot tall sequoia that is just long-lasting and strong and faithful and wonderful if you don't want to put in the time to grow some deep roots. Because listen to me, if you've got shallow roots, you're going to have a shallow life and you are not going to do anything worthwhile. And that sounds so mean, but check it out. Jesus gave another example about a wise man and a foolish man. They both built houses, but only one guy took the time to lay a deep foundation. And so when storms came, the guy with the deep foundation, his house was fine, but the guy with the non-existent foundation, his house totally collapsed. And so what we're working on as a church family this year, as individuals and as a collective body together is this, is taking the time to let our roots grow down into him. I'm challenging you to learn more about the Bible than you've ever learned. Who wants to know more about God's word this year? 
Man, I want to know more. There is not a chance that I know everything there is to know about the Bible, man. I I have only skimmed the surface, and I have dedicated decades right now to studying God's Word. But check it out. I want to know so much more. I want to grow in my level of prayer. I want to grow in my level of praise and in worship. And I want to grow and let my roots grow down into Him. And so what we've done for the past few weeks is we have been discussing the Christian doctrine called the Trinity. Who in here has heard of the Trinity? All right, very good. So the Trinity is an extremely important, non-negotiable point of doctrine and theology. And so there's some things that we can agree to disagree on, some things that like, hey, you know, we may not agree on speaking in tongues, we may not agree on this or that, but as a Christian, you need to know that our God is three and one. Jesus the Son is just as much God as the Father is. The Holy Spirit is just as much God as the Father and the Son are. They are three and one. And our natural mind doesn't fully comprehend this concept because when we know of three things, we just know of three things. But our God is a triune God, a holy trinity, three in one. And so we've looked at the role of the Father, and uh, we saw that a few weeks ago, God Almighty the Father. And a couple weeks ago, we looked at the role of Jesus the Son. Does anybody remember studying about Jesus the Son? We learned that, hey, Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. You have never seen God Almighty face to face. If you did, it would kill you. You couldn't survive it. His glory is so off the charts that it would just melt you. And you're like, what? Well, hey, in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses was talking to God and he's like, hey, I just want to see you face to face. And God was like, you can't look in my face. It would kill you. You couldn't survive. And so God said, listen, I will pass by the mountain right here and I will let you see me from behind. Moses saw God's backside and it was so overwhelming that he lit up like a million watt LED whatever and he was shining so bright with the glory of God that the people of Israel couldn't look at him he had to put a veil over his face just so he could conduct business and talk to people that's what would happen if you even saw a little bit of God but Jesus the son is the visible image of the invisible God people have seen Jesus he walked this earth for 33 years and walked among us people have seen him amen and so he took on a human body this week we're going to be talking about the third member of the holy trinity and the member that i personally feel most people know the least amount about most people that i know know very little about the holy spirit and we're going to probably take have to take a couple of weeks to cover this but there's a lot that you need to know. And there's a lot I'm going to say today that maybe you're like, well, hey, how come he's not talking about this part of the Holy Spirit? Hey, it's a lot to cover in a half an hour time. And so we're going to do an introductory level uh, message on the Holy Spirit. If you need an outline to follow along with, raise your hand. And the ushers are going to give you an outline. And you can follow along with that. And uh, if you're a note taker... 
take some notes today because I'm going to tell you that I'm trying to cover a lot of ground in a short amount of time. And we're going to kind of hit the the theology level a little deep today. We're going to kind of, again, this has been the past few weeks. It's been a little bit deeper. My normal uh, MO is to preach and to get excited. And if you're in the front row, it's kind of, uh, you know, uh, the splash zone. You may get a little spit on you. I mean, I like to get fired up. Amen. But uh, but I'm going to try to teach. I'm going to try to stay calm and teach you the Bible today. Chances are we will get a little loud even yet, but I want you to follow along and I'm going to give you a lot of verses and I'm not going to have time to turn to every single one of them, but I always try to reference the verses that I quote because I want you to be able to check them up. I don't want you to take my word for it that the Bible says that. I am totally fine if you double check me to make sure that I'm on point. Amen. And so there's going to be a lot of verses and we're going to be going pretty fast, but I want you to pay attention Day is a day for you to learn a little bit of Bible theology and doctrine, but you've got to know this stuff. You've got to know, because what if someone comes up to you and says, okay, this whole Holy Spirit thing, what's up with that? What is it? First of all, you would answer that by saying, excuse me, the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a him. Amen? Jesus said in John 16 that he would send him to be our helper. And so Jesus consistently refers to the Holy Spirit as him. All right. And so I hear so many Christians refer to the Holy Spirit as it. He is not a thing. He is a him, a the third member of the Holy Trinity of God. And so don't call the Holy Spirit an it. The Holy Spirit is a him. All right. And so uh, the Holy Spirit also. All right. Just like God, the father, he is not the visible image of the invisible God. You haven't seen the Holy Spirit. You haven't. You've seen the things that he's done, but you've never seen him. And so uh, the Bible uses a lot of different symbols to symbolize the Holy Spirit. There's at least eight that I can verify, but there, there's actually more than that. But I'm going to give you, I don't know, I wrote a bunch down. I don't even know how many I wrote down, but this will be on the screen. It's different symbols that the Bible uses for the Holy Spirit. All right. And so check it out. Uh, one of these, the most famous sign that, it, that the Bible uses for the Holy Spirit is the sign of a dove. And if you've ever seen different pieces of Christian art or literature, you've probably seen the Holy Spirit referenced and referred, or excuse me, um, uh, symbolized as a dove. And one of the reasons is like when Jesus got baptized, the Holy Spirit descended as a dove in Matthew 3.16. Question, is the Holy Spirit literally a dove? When you see a dove fly by, did you just see the Holy Spirit? Chances are you saw bird poop because those things are crazy. But check it out. No, 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 no. Follow, follow. Listen, no, the Holy Spirit isn't literally a dove, but he is symbolized as a dove, like Matthew 3.16. Another symbol is fire. John the Baptist said in Matthew 3.11 that people would be baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. And that's one reason why he's symbolized by fire. Of course, in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, when they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they had tongues of fire appear on them. Another symbol, which you people in Barstow should appreciate, is the symbol of wind. Hmm. And so anytime those 70 mile per hour winds come by and blow my glasses off and there's dirt... 
pelting me in the head. Check it out. And what you, when you want to complain, you could just say, I thank you, Lord, your Holy Spirit is right here. Thank you, Jesus. And you could, if nothing else, you could just at least imagine that it's the Holy Spirit and not cats blowing through the air and all sorts of things, all right? So, praise God. One day, all right, quick story, circa 2009, 2010, I was standing in the parking lot back here, and I just hear this ferocious wind come through. I look up, there's like a dirt tornado spiraling right at me, and it was huge. It was taller than the building, and all of a sudden, a piece of sheet metal comes flying through the air. I hit the dirt, man. I I hit the ground, and it goes flying over my head. That had nothing to do with this sermon, but it was just an example, all right? That, that had, that was out of left field. That was out of line. I apologize. That added nothing to this. Um, but in John 3, 8, Jesus said, the wind blows where it wishes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. All right. And in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came, there was the sound of a rushing mighty wind in Acts chapter 2. All right. Another symbol is oil. In the Old Testament, when people were anointed with oil, the Spirit would come upon them. You see this all over the Old Testament, but one example is 1 Samuel 16, 18. When David was anointed to be king over Israel, the Scripture says that the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. The Spirit of the Lord came upon David. And another symbol is the symbol of water in several different ways. But uh, specifically, John 7, 39, Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit coming to us and it would be like a river of living water. All right. And so this is just a little bit of fun facts about the Holy Spirit. And one more fun fact. Who likes fun facts? Let's go. All right. One more. My dad actually kind of referenced this earlier, maybe not even knowingly, but he mentioned that the Holy Spirit is from the beginning of the Bible all the way to the end. The Holy Spirit is mentioned in the very first chapter of the Bible. In Genesis uh, 1 and verse 2, it says the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the water. And the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the very last chapter of the Bible as well. In Revelation twenty-two seventeen, it says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, let him take the water of life freely. And so I know that I just spit a million facts at you really, really fast. But I just wanted to get, want you to get to know a little bit more about the Holy Spirit. Because I guarantee you, if you were to go and ask the average Christian, Tell me something about the Holy Spirit, 90% of them could tell you, Wait, he's like the third teammate on the Trinity, right? He's like, you know, the third one. And that is true, yes, but there's a lot more to him than that. And if you don't know about the Holy Spirit, you can't properly cultivate this relationship. And when you begin to know who the Holy Spirit is, and you begin to really allow him to have his way in your life, It'll rock your socks, man. I'm telling you right now, it'll change your life. So many of us know to cry out to Father God when we need something. We know to call upon Jesus for salvation. Amen? But you also need to know all about the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to do three points today regarding the Holy Spirit. And if your favorite point isn't on here, forgive me. We'll get to it in another week. But we can't do it all today. All right? So number one is this. All right? Get those pins out. Buckle up those seat belts. We're going to go and we're going to go fast. Let's go. Number one, the Holy Spirit lives in us. The Holy Spirit lives in us. 
This is a revelation that every Christian needs to get into their heart. And so, hear me out. If you are a born-again Christian, you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. Jesus said in John 3 that when you are saved, you are born of the Spirit. Can you say born of the Spirit? And then we see in Acts chapter 2, once again, that when the Holy Spirit was poured out and they were baptized with the Holy Spirit, they were filled with the Spirit, all right? And so as a New Testament Christian, you can be born of the Spirit and you can be filled with the Spirit, which I'm not discussing this week. I will get to that, though. So Pentecostals, don't throw rocks at me. We'll get to you, okay? And so there is a difference between those two. We're going to look at it later. So the prophet Ezekiel prophesied that a time was coming when God's Spirit would literally live inside of His people. And you've heard that your whole life, like, man, the Spirit of God lives in me. So that's not that mind-blowing. But to a person of the Old Testament, when Ezekiel said, whoa, 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 there's a day coming when His Spirit will live on the inside of His people, they were like, what? On the inside of all of us? They didn't know about this stuff. And that's in Ezekiel 36, 27. Let's flip over there real quick, shall we? Now, a lot of the verses today, I'll probably tell you that I'm just going to quote this one. Um, and then a lot of them we'll straight turn to. But let's look at Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 27. Who loves the book of Ezekiel? Who's actually read the book of Ezekiel? Thank you, both of you. You guys are awesome. You guys are great. So Ezekiel 36 And we're going to look at verse 27. If you're having a hard time finding it, it is on page 801. All right, page 801. So Ezekiel 36, and we're going to look here at verse 27. And the Lord prophesied and said, And I will put my spirit in you, so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. All right? So this was not something that people in the Old Testament got to experience. They could have the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, come upon them. Like when David was anointed to be king, and all over the Old Testament you see this, where the Spirit of the Lord would come upon somebody. But in the New Testament, as a born-again Christian, we have the Spirit of God literally living on the inside of us every moment of the day. Now, people think it would be cool to have lived back then and seen some of the cool Old Testament stories take place. And it would have been. Who would have liked to have seen, like, the Red Sea part? Come on, yeah. Who would have liked to have seen Daniel make it through the lion's den? Yeah. I mean, the fiery furnace in chapter 3 of Daniel. There is so many things that I would have loved to have seen, but we don't need to be jealous of the people of the Old Testament. They're jealous of us. Because we have the Holy Spirit of God living on the inside of us every single day. That is a big deal. And so, listen, whenever somebody's like, man, hey, we're only human. You can only do so much. I'm like, hey, speak for yourself, homie. Check it out. Hey, part of me's human. I am partially human, but part of me is wall-to-wall Holy Ghost. He's living on the inside of me and on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us. Now, I'm going to say something right now. 
that you've heard your whole life, and it may sound, it's probably going to smack some of us the wrong way, because when somebody told me this, I got offended and basically called them a heretic until I read the Bible for myself and realized, like, oh, that's technically correct. Hear me out, and then I'll give you scripture. Jesus is not technically the one that's living in your heart right now. It's the Holy Spirit. Now, do we all ask Jesus into our heart? Yes. If you're born again, you need to have called on the name of the Lord, Romans 10, 13, Romans 10, 9, and 10. You need to have called on the name of the Lord. Absolutely. You need to have asked Jesus into your heart. But if you really want to break it down, Jesus, right now, at this very moment, is seated at the right hand of God in heaven, where he ever liveth to make intercession for us, and he's waiting on his next command from the Father, and his next command is going to be this, go down there and get the rest of the family and bring them home. It's called the rapture. Amen? And that day's coming, and it's coming really, really soon. And Jesus is just sitting right there like, oh, Dad, come on, can I go get him right now? And he's like, wait for it, wait for it. Uh, uh, uh." And Jesus wants to do it. But Jesus said, nobody knows the day or the hour, not even the Son himself. So Dad, Father God, hasn't even told Jesus yet when that exact day is. But check it out. It's coming really, really soon. And so Jesus, at this moment, is seated at the right hand of God. I'm going to hit three scriptures, and believe me, if you want further proof, Google it yourself. You'll find at least a dozen New Testament scriptures to back this up. But uh, let's, John 16, 7. I'm going to quote these ones for the sake of time. If you want to turn there, you can, but I'm going to go fast, all right? And so, at this moment, Jesus is in heaven. He said in John 16, 7, But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. What's he going to do? He said, I'm going to go away. Because if I don't, the advocate, when I'll break that word down later, the Holy Spirit won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And so when Jesus went to heaven in the beginning of Acts, the Holy Spirit came down. All right. Mark 16, 19 says, when the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. All right? So where's Jesus right now? He's seated at the right hand of God. All right? Romans eight thirty four. It says, and Jesus is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. So there are no less than a dozen New Testament scriptures that repeatedly say Jesus right now is seated at the right hand of God, making intercession for us, pleading for us, all these things uh, for us. That is technically where Jesus is right now. All right. And so here's what I'm trying to drive home to you at this moment. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. You need to get to know him and know as much about him as you possibly can. So let's turn to these verses. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 16. 1 Corinthians 3, 16. Are we having a good time today? I pray that we're learning some things. Amen. And if I say anything that rubs you the wrong way or offends you, my job here is done. I can go home now. Man, I've got a pot roast waiting on me with some potatoes and carrots, so don't threaten me with a good time. Amen. So, 1 Corinthians 3, and we're going to look at verse 16. And the Apostle Paul, 
writing this, says that don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you. The Spirit of God lives in you. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Now, this is a hard-hitting chapter. I, you know, uh, <laughs> read at your own risk. I'm just going to read one verse, though. So you need to read it. All the Bible's great. But I'm just saying, this, ver- this chapter will slap you around a little bit if you're choosing to live a lifestyle of sin. Anyway, 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 19. And it says, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. And you can read that whole chapter. It's specifically addressing sexual sin. And it's telling us that if we are committing sexual sin, that we are sinning against the temple of God because our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. One more, Romans 8, 11. Who loves all these verses? Romans 8, 11. I'm not going to preach something or teach something you know, uh, real deep and not give you as much scripture as we can fit in. All right, Romans 8 and verse 11. And oh man, everybody loves this verse. This is an awesome verse. It says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, he lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus from the dead, he'll give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. All right. And so question, where is Jesus right now? It's at the right hand of God, seated at the right hand of God. And a really cool story is in Acts chapter 7 when Peter, excuse me, excuse me, Stephen is being stoned for his faith. And as he's being stoned by all these people, he, he's, you know, he says, Father, forgive them. Lord, don't hold it against them. And it says he saw the heavens opened up and Jesus stood up at the right hand of God. And Jesus was like, oh, come on, come on. Come on. And Jesus was cheering him on. Jesus, he's seated at the right hand of God, but apparently, man, sometimes he'll just stand up and be like, oh my gosh, you're doing, oh yeah. All right. Jesus is in heaven and he's incredible. And the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. That is a lot of power available if we'll tap into it. Amen. All right. Number two, number two. Jesus said it's better to have the Holy Spirit here than himself. What? How could he say that? What could be better than having the physical Jesus Christ standing right here beside me in a flesh and blood body? Well, according to Jesus himself, it's better that the Spirit comes down here. So let's look at John chapter 16. Who's with me? John 16. Man, we are just dishing it out today. John 16, and we're going to look here at verses 7 through 8. This is really an introduction to the Holy Spirit. John 16, verses 7 and 8. And this right here, man, this is about Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit coming. And in John 14 and in John 16, Jesus speaks a lot about the Spirit. And he keeps saying, man, I'm leaving. But when I leave, 
the Holy Spirit's going to come down here. And the guys are like, what are you talking about? I, I, I don't get it. And he kept saying, oh, no, no, it's going to be good. And, peop- and the disciples are like, no, no, don't go. That's not good. And he's like, no, it's really good. Because when I leave, the Spirit's going to come. And they had a hard time comprehending it. And I don't blame them. I probably would have been the same way. But John chapter 16, and we're going to look here at verses 7 and 8. Jesus said, but in fact... It is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. And he's speaking of the Holy Spirit. He says, if I do go away, then I'll send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. So this whole interaction was just nearly mind-blowing to the disciples. Jesus says, I'm going away, but that's a really good thing that I'm going away. And he tells them, you're going to be better off once I leave. Who thinks that you would have a really hard time believing that? You've walked three and a half years with Jesus, going from town to town, seeing the miracles. You have him there physically every day. And he says, listen, I'm going to leave, and that's going to be a really good thing for you. And you're like, no, it's not. Why would you say that? I'm going to tell you one reason why it's better to have the Holy Spirit on earth living in the si- inside of us right now. Because when Jesus came to earth, he became a human. We saw that in Hebrews chapter 2. That he came down here and he took on the body of a human being so he could have something to die in, right? And so Jesus, when he was on earth, came as a human. He lived in a body by choice. And because of that, he could be in one place at a time. And so if Jesus lived on the earth today in his physical body, all right, if Jesus lived on the earth today in his physical body and we didn't have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us, you realize that to talk to Jesus, that to ask him a question, you'd have to get an appointment with him. You would have to get on an airplane probably, fly to Tel Aviv, Israel, get a rental car, drive to Galilee, Find Jesus, which probably wouldn't be that hard to find because there'd be a million people around him. You would have to take a place in line and wait for your chance to talk to Jesus. And just, I mean, just for to try to imagine how difficult this would be. Imagine that there was a million people there with Jesus. And, and, and you waited your place in line. Imagine that Jesus worked a 14-hour workday. Follow me, I'm going somewhere, all right? Because, hey, he's going to sleep, he's going to eat, he's probably going to play a little Xbox. No, I'm kidding, he doesn't have to do that. But he's going to have a little personal time. And so Jesus, say he even works 14 hours a day, 365 days a year to talk to everybody that gets in line to talk to him. And he gives everybody out of those million 60 seconds to ask their question and get a touch from him. By the time he gets to you, it will have been 3.26 years. And then you've got 60 seconds, so you better not screw it up. You better make it count. You better say and ask your question the right way because you've got 60 seconds, and then you've got to get back in line so you can get back to Jesus again. But the Holy Spirit being on earth, literally on the inside of billions of people right now, can talk This whole section right here, he can talk to every single one of you right now, simultaneously, telling you different things that the different ones of you need to hear. All at once. 
That's incredible. And, and this section over here. And the people in the back. I love you. It's a joke. It's a joke. Sometimes I'm so mean, but I don't know why. All right. And so he can talk to billions of people all at the same time, get information to us, fill us, work through us. It's incredible. And so Jesus said, hey, it's better for you that I go because when I go, the Holy Spirit is coming down here and he is going to absolutely change your life. It's incredible. And we're scratching the surface. There is so much more that I've got to tell you about this. But I want to get to my third point today, and that's this, all right? And again, you may be saying, man, you missed this. You missed that. Give me time, man. I'm trying to cover a bunch of ground here. Number three is this. We're going to talk for just a few minutes here about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The ministry of the Holy Spirit. We're talking about what he does in your life. And so one massive thing that you need to know about the Holy Spirit is that He is, according to Scripture, your helper. He is your helper. John 16 and verse 7. This is the third time I've used this verse today. John 16 and verse 7. And this time I'm going to read it in the New King James. John 16 and verse 7. Jesus says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. I'm not lying to you. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Now the NLT, New Living Translation, used the word advocate in place of helper. The King James, New King James, uses the word helper. And the Greek word is a word called paraclete. That is the the, the Greek word for this. And it wraps up a whole bunch of things in one word. The Greek language is so much more powerful than the English language. So I'm sorry about that, but it's the way it is. The Greek words could just wrap up so much meaning in one word where we got to use like 10 different words to try to describe what we mean. And sometimes we still fail, especially us men. We are not good at describing our emotions, are we? Okay. So, uh, so the Amplified Bible, man, you left me hanging and I owe you for that. All right. You did not have my back. John 16 and verse 7 in the Amplified Bible. Now, what's so special about the Amplified Bible? Well, it's actually the longest translation of the English Bible. And what happened was, uh, and on Hear me out, all right, maybe I shouldn't go this route, but uh, this is the first English translation done by a female. It's also the wordiest translation. I don't know if there's a connection, but what she did was she took, <laughs> men have my back right now. Help me. Okay, if you didn't have me, I'd have to, all right. Anyway, great translation, but what it does is it takes each word, and and you'll see right here, it'll put in parentheses the expounded, uh, like all the Greek meanings for that word, all right? And so it tells us right here this word paraclete. Jesus said, but it, because if I do not go away, the paraclete, the comforter, the and here it is, it means all these things. The counselor, helper, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, and standby. That's the Holy Spirit won't come to you into close fellowship with you. But if I do go away, I will send him to you to be in close fellowship with you. Who in here sometimes 
needs a counselor. For real, I'm not even joking. We need that. Guess what? We got the best one ever living right on the inside of us. Who in here, sometimes you need a helper. You need an advocate. You need someone to say, hey, stand up for me. Help me out here. Advocate for me. You know, and and listen, the Holy Spirit is that. Sometimes you need an intercessor, somebody that is standing in the gap for you. The Holy Spirit will do that. Sometimes you need a little strength. You need a strengthener. The Holy Spirit will do that. He will be your standby. He will not leave you. Amen. Neither will God the Father, Jesus the Son. But the Holy Spirit is right there on the inside of you all the time. Who needs that besides me? I need that. I need the Holy Spirit every day of my life. I saw somebody say their grandma, they asked their grandma, you know, Grandma, do you need the Holy Spirit to make it to heaven? And she said, Honey, you need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. <laughs> Come on. You need him every day. Don't forget about, I mean, yeah, heaven, but you need him to make it through life. You need the Holy Spirit. And notice that it says he wants to be in close fellowship with you. Have you ever heard somebody just say, man, the Lord told me this. And you're like, how does the Lord just tell you these things? What are you talking about? And it may sound strange to you, but I'm telling you that people that really do hear from God are hearing the Holy Spirit speaking to their hearts. And if you live in close fellowship with him, it's not that hard to hear the voice of the Spirit. It's not that hard. If you're really close to somebody, you can distinguish their voice in the midst of everything else. I could be in the store, and Pastor Katie could be three or four aisles over, and I can tell, like, oh, that's my wife over there. Why? That's not weird, because I know her really, really well. We're very close. And if somebody that's close to the Lord says, man, I I just feel like God's telling me this, don't sit there and say, who do you think you are? Well, that's not that strange, if you're actually close to him. If you're not close to him, that just sounds like nonsense to you. Like, man, I never heard him. You need to get close to him. The only way that you never hear the voice of God is if you're not listening and you're not very close to him. I'm not saying I hear booming voices from heaven every day because I don't and I never have. But I do hear the Holy Spirit speak to me every day of my life. Every day. I base my decisions upon this. On his word and upon what the Holy Spirit speaks to me. So don't think it's weird when someone that's close to God hears the voice of the Spirit. They can tell. Because the closer you are to somebody, the better you can tell their voice from every other voice. Here's another thing that the Spirit does. He convicts of sin. John 16, verse 8. We're in the New King James, so let's roll with it. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Now, this is a verse that gets a lot of debate in modern times, and I'm not just looking for this debate today, but people argue that the Holy Spirit won't convict Christians of sin because this verse says that he convicts the world of sin. Well, you know, we could deal with that some other day. But first of all, you need to know that there's a difference between convicting and condemning. There's a difference between conviction and condemnation. When you feel convicted in your heart, that's the Lord saying, man, hey, you know better than that. Stop that. Get away from that. That's that's a a sense of conviction. Condemnation 
is judge, jury, and executioner, and condemnation puts such an unholy level of guilt upon you that you're like, oh, I messed up. I, and, and, and the devil will condemn you. And he will say, you worthless little, you don't ever even go to church again. Don't even bother praying anymore. Don't even bother talking to those people. Don't even know. Uh, and, 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 and condemnation condemns you to hell. Now, there is a time, if you haven't received Jesus, we know this, that there will be a time that you're going to stand before God. And if you haven't received Jesus as Savior, yeah, there, there's, there's a time that that's going to happen, that somebody, yes, people will go to hell. We know this. But the Holy Spirit, He convicts of sin in our lives. And you need to know that part of the Holy Spirit is He's holy. He's holy. And this isn't a popular thing to preach about because if I talk about holy, it's going to offend a bunch of people because we all have things in our life that aren't holy. But the truth of the matter is this. You're not going to have this deep, rich relationship with the Holy Spirit if we are knowingly, consciously doing unholy things. Anyway, we'll tackle that in another week. You're not, I don't think we're there. I just, I'm not, I don't, we don't think we're feeling that right now. So, listen, when the Lord convicts us of something, He isn't condemning us, but He's letting us know we did wrong. If you're doing wrong, do you want to know? Because a lot of people don't. That's an honest question. If you're doing wrong, do you want to know, or do you just want to keep blindly going on and suffer the consequences? Personally, I do want to know. And I mean, I don't want everybody knowing my business. I'm not asking you if I do something dumb. Could everybody please post this and tag me on Instagram? No. No, I'm not looking for that. But I do want the Lord to tell me, hey, man, stop that. No, that's wrong. And I know this much. When I do something wrong as a Christian, I instantly feel a little sting in my heart that I shouldn't have done that. The only person that wants to do wrong and totally be calloused of it, and never be conscious of it, honestly, is a psychopath. Okay, <laughs> hear me out. <laughs> the only person that wants to do wrong all the time, and never feel guilt or remorse for it, by definition, that's a psychopath. They have no remorse, they have no guilt, and they don't want to feel any remorse or guilt. If I harm you and I've done wrong to you, I want to know and I want to make it right and I ought to feel some remorse for it. Yeah, we live in this society that, no, don't you tell me. You go, No, no, no. I want to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it, and I don't want anybody to tell me if it's wrong or not. That's crazy. Because there's still consequences for sin, whether you agree that it's sin or not. And I personally want to know if I'm driving to the edge of the cliff, red flag me, wave me down and tell me. But don't just let me drive off the edge and say, that was a shame. Wow. I mean, somebody ought to said something to him. How dare you? No. <laughs> the Holy Spirit will convict the heart of sin, and of righteousness, and of judgment. All right, let's go to the next one. I'm, yeah, uh, number, whatever this is, I didn't, I didn't number these, whatever point, the sub-point, diamond, uh, guidance to the truth. The ministry of the Holy Spirit, one aspect of that is guidance 
to the truth. John 16, verse 13. John 16 and verse 13. says, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own, but will tell you what He has heard. He will tell you about the future. And so, when the Holy Spirit is in your life, He will guide you into all truth. Now, there's a verse in Jeremiah that I see people post on the internet all the time. And it's it's the truth. And it's perfect for the Old Testament person. But it says, you know, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things. You can't trust the heart. Don't trust your heart. The people in the Old Testament were not born again. They couldn't just trust their heart. They, I mean, they had to go to the priest. They had to go to the prophet and all this stuff. But as a New Testament born-again Christian, you have a brand new heart, a brand new spirit on the inside. If, all right, if, underline it, highlight it, circle it, and put little cute stars beside it. If. You are living in close fellowship with God and you are a born again Christian. Your born again heart, your born again spirit is a safe guide because the Holy Spirit lives right there. You are born of the spirit. And you need to know that if your heart is leading you to something and it's God, it will always line up with the word of God. It will. Ne- if you're like, man, God's leading me to do this, that's strange because the Bible says just the exact opposite, then that's not God. He will never contradict the scripture because even right here, Jesus, who according to John 1 verse 1 is the word, it says that the spirit, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you, amen. It will line up with what Jesus has told him. Jesus is the word. You understand this, all right? And so as a born again Christian that has not calloused his heart, hardened his or her heart to the Lord, your heart can be a safe guide if it lines up with the scripture. And I rely on this to make decisions in my life. When COVID hit and everybody shut down and everyone's like, even churches, if you love your neighbor, you'll shut down, you'll go into hiding and you'll never come out again. All right. Uh, my, my mind was like, oh, wow, man. Whoa, gee, wow. I love people. I don't want to hurt anybody. But the Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of the saints. And Jesus said, where two or more are gathered in my name. I'm there in the midst of them. He didn't say, where two or more tune in online and catch that Facebook live stream. Facebook, we love you. And I know a lot of you are sick today, so I appreciate you watching. But at the same time, listen. The Bible says, no, no, no. You are to gather together as believers. My heart was saying, hey, no, yeah, yeah, you got to do this. You got to. And everybody else is saying, no, don't do it. Well, we made a decision based on the Bible and the heart, and it paid off. Your heart, as a born-again Christian, can be a safe guide if it's leading you in line with the Word of God. All right, the last thing, the last thing is this. He will tell us about the future. He will tell us about the future. Wouldn't you absolutely love it? If you knew some things about your future before they ever came, 
you realize the advantage you have over everybody else? Now, this isn't saying that God's going to tell you everything that's going to happen every single day, and the Holy Spirit's going to tell you every step. No, but if there's important things that you need to know, He'll tell you. How many of you know that there's sometimes there's things that you need to know, and there's things that you don't really need to know? Personally, I love to live life in the avenue of, if I don't need to know it, I don't want to know it. I've got so many things told to me that come to my table every day that I don't care. Sometimes people are like, did you hear what so-and-so said? No. Do you want to know? No. Did you hear about this? No. Well, let me tell you. No, no. Does it affect me and my wife and kids and my church? No. I don't care. I don't have the headspace. Maybe some people got the capacity. I don't have that capacity. I only want to know what I need to know. And the Holy Spirit's not going to bother you with nonsense, but if you get this relationship with Him, He will tell you things that you need to know about your future. Sometimes it's so you can make preparations. Sometimes it's so you can pray to change a really bad situation that's coming. And sometimes it's just to bless you to know, hey, man, I'm going through something, but I can see to the end of this that, hey, something good's coming ahead, and the Holy Spirit will maybe show you that. But know this much. You need to know the voice of God. And when He speaks to you, He will warn you about things that you had no idea about. Sometimes it's just so you can fortify and prepare. Sometimes it's so you can pray and change the situation. I'm going to tell a couple of really quick stories that I don't tell often, but I'm going to tell them quickly. And I know, hey, we're getting a little bit longer than we do sometimes, but we did a lot today, all right? Who can give me, like, just a couple more minutes? I'll go. I'll leave. (laughs) A couple of quick stories. So, the Holy Spirit will tell us things before they even happen sometimes. And now, if you're like, that's funny, that never happens to me. Here's your sign. Uh, you, you need to get closer to him. Because you should be hearing some things before they ever even happen. There should be things that happen in this world that catch other people off guard, but they don't catch you off guard. Because the Holy Spirit told you. When I was just about 15 years old, all right, I had this dream one night uh, that the closest person to our family died. And outside of being blood relation, this is the closest person in our, in our life. And he's like 40 years old. And I'm like, I wake up in a cold sweat. And, and in this dream, it was very detailed, very specific, with this funeral, huge funeral. I was in this church that we had never done a funeral in before. And we, you know, we've been, in, I've been, I've been to a lot of funerals in my life. My dad was a pastor. I'm a pastor. I've been to hundreds of funerals. And so this funeral is so vivid. And I see this man laying there. And, and I'm like, I just wake up like in a sweat, like, what the heck was that? It was so vivid and so real and so scary, and I was terrified. And I didn't know what to do. And so I'm just like, well, I just tried to suppress those feelings of fear. And a few days later, the closest man in our life at 40-something years old just dies. And it was an accident. He wasn't sick. He No time to prepare, just died. And with seven days' time from this dream, I'm standing there at almost 15 years old, staring in this casket, looking at this guy, looking around at this church, and it hits me like, I saw this, dude. Every detail, the only thing that was different was the suit he was wearing at, at the funeral. That was the only thing that was a different color. Everything else. 
And my parents taught me a lesson out of this. And I don't take blame for his death. It's not that. But they taught me when God puts something, somebody's face in front of you, gives you a dream about somebody, pray. Pray. And the best weapon as a spirit-filled Christian that I could do is pray in the spirit. Because when you're filled with the spirit and you can pray in the spirit, you can rely on him to pray, according to Romans 8, perfect prayers of intercession. When you don't even know what words to say, what to pray, the Holy Spirit can pray through you. And that's called praying in the spirit. So I learned a lesson. A few months later, I have a dream. One of my older brothers dies in a farming accident. And I'm like, oh, no, no, not this time. I mean, I'm a teenager. And I get down and I pray and intercede for my brother. And like a week later, he calls and tells us, man, I almost died yesterday. And here's what happened. And I was able to save myself out of it. And, 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 and I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus, for showing me. And sometimes something happens in life and we're like, what happened? I'll bet that sometimes, not every time, but sometimes before that happened, God told several people through some different way and warned people, hey, pray, hey, do something. And if we don't know the Holy Spirit well, we'll ignore the red flags that he's waving and we won't handle situations. I learned. I learned. Believe me, if I wake up and one of y'all's faces is in front of me, I hit my knees and I pray whatever it is away in the name of Jesus. And I hope you do that for me. It was the strangest thing a few weeks ago. I, you know, I'm not complaining. It's totally fine. Not very often do people text me and say, hey, Pastor Dave, I love you and I'm praying for you. And I, and I don't need that. And that's fine. And I'm not asking you to do that. But a few weeks ago, three times in one week, I had different church members. And this does not happen often. And I was going through it, man. I needed it. <laughs> I had three different people randomly. One, Tim pulled me aside and laid hands on me, which was great. And then a couple other people texted me and like, hey, uh, we're, the Lord told me to pray for you. And I'm like, I don't need to tell you why. All right. I just need to say, man, thank you. I need that. And I appreciate that. And so when God's putting someone before you as you're growing in the Lord, no, just pray. Just pray. That's all you got to do. Pray. And if you can pray in the spirit, pray in the spirit. And so one final thing that I had a supernatural experience when I was 10 years old, uh, we were in Sonora, Mexico, of all places, <laughs> on a missions trip. And uh, we were in this little village at this little tiny church. And, I, I mean, it was, it, was, it was a neat experience. But being from Indiana in the Midwest, and this was a much different world than I grew up in. There's dogs and cats walking around the altar and stuff. And it was just different. The doors are open. And, uh, and so this uh, pastor from Mexico, I think it was, he lays hands on me as a 10-year-old and Boom! And knocked me out. Knocked me to the floor. This wasn't one of those fake things. This was real. I hit the ground like a sack of potatoes. And, and so I'm laying there, 10 years old, dogs and cats walking around, and, and I see this sea of faces just scrolling in front of me. It was so weird. And, and I see just, just, Thousands of these faces, you know, if you had a screen and they were just scrolling by, kind of like a Where's Waldo thing, you know. And so I'm looking at this and I'm 10 years old. I've not been to Bible school. I've not been to some deep seminary or anything. I mean, I'm just a kid. And and so these faces are scrolling by and, and I'm like, Lord, who is, what is this? Who are all these people? And as they're scrolling by, 
the Lord told me at 10 years old. And you can say I'm lying. That's fine. I don't need your affirmation. I know what I heard. The Lord told me at 10 years old, these are all the people that you and your dad are going to reach in the Western United States. And that was at 10 years old. And I, and it was, you know, every, every face, every color, everything. It was, and I saw, I mean, I didn't know any of these people. And so I eventually wake up from the incident and, you know, go to back to the house that night in Mexico. And I kind of just filed it away like, wow, that was really something. That was strange. Well, I'm in my twenties and living in Barstow, California. And amen. <laughs> and, and one day this just comes back to me like, I hadn't thought about this in years. And all of a sudden, this image and all these faces, it just comes right back to me. And the Lord's like, hey, I told you that one day you were going to be ministering to all these people in the Western United States. He didn't tell me what state, but he told me. And that has helped to plant me, to anchor me, and to help me in tough moments where I'm like, why can't I live in the mountains where there is trees and grass and rivers? Amen? <laughs> why? And, and it has helped anchor me. And just it's just been a real, I don't know, I don't know what to say. But sometimes God will show you something and it's just a blessing. Amen? And I believe that that day, amen, that night, laying on the floor of a church in Sonora, Mexico, September of 1995, I believe that some of those faces I saw were people in this room right now. I believe it. And the Lord is good. And so what am I telling you right now? I'm going to wrap it down, all right? Come on up. But I'm wrapping it up with this. And I, we, we hit a lot today. I get that. This has been a very full service. I'm looking at the clock and I'm like, oh man, the Baptists are going to beat us to KFC again. And I'm trying to get you there. I swear, I swear, all right? But listen, listen. Getting to know the Holy Spirit is so important. And we've, we've glazed the service this morning, but do you see some of the, some of the things that He will do in your life? He will guide you. He will counsel you, protect you, all these things. He will lead you into all truth. He will even tell you things about your future that you need to know if you learn to listen to His voice. Amen. Who wants, I mean, you want a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Come on, isn't that great? We're going to stand up together today. Amen. And then if you're here and you're like, hey, Pastor Dave, you stopped short. No, I, I listen, I've thought this out. I've talked to God. We're going to cover more of this in the coming weeks. This is an introduction to the Holy Spirit. I didn't, I'm not leaving anything out. Amen. Well, today is the very first Sunday of March. And on the first Sunday of the month, we receive Holy Communion together. It is uh, one of the sacraments of the church. And it is so important that we do this. And so uh, we're going to take a minute here. I'm going to ask you to line up. If you are a born-again Christian, we invite you to receive communion with us. You don't need to be a member of this church. You just need to be a member of the family of God. You need to be born again. And so I'm going to lead us in a prayer right now. And if you are not right with the Lord, Let's fix that right now. There, you don't, I mean, I can't imagine living in 2023 without knowing that Jesus is my Lord and Savior, that I've got his protection, that I've got his blessing. I can't imagine trying to live out there on my own. That's scary. Let's pray together today and give you a chance to make things right with God. Can, can we pray together? 
Well, say this with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he died and that he rose again. Jesus, forgive me for anything wrong I've done. I ask you to forgive me, to make me clean. Jesus, give me the strength to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give the Lord some praise today? If you prayed that prayer, I want you to tell somebody. This is Jose over here with his hand raised. If you want more information or if you want a little guidance, a little bit of extra help along the way, I'm not going to explain our whole spiritual personal trainer program right now, but if you want a little bit of an extra boost, a little bit of help, we will set you up with somebody else from the church here that will text you a verse and a prayer every day, and they will help you get started on the right path. Amen. Let's go ahead and line up for communion today. You can uh, take the elements, and then you can stay at the altar. You can make your way back to your spots, whatever's fine, but just remain standing when you get them, and then we will receive communion. Amen. take a minute here today uh, to receive communion properly. And I know we've we run a little late and stuff like that. I ask that you remain reverent and holy before the Lord. We don't ever want to do this the wrong way. And I've preached on that a lot, so I'm not going to do that today. But we want to approach the Lord's table with respect and reverence and holiness. 1 Corinthians 11 tells us that each time that we receive communion, we need to examine our hearts and examine ourselves. It says, if you would judge yourself in this way, you won't be judged. And so let's take a minute this morning to examine our hearts, judge our lives. And if there's anything we need to repent of, 
The Holy Spirit's talking to you right now. Don't ignore him. If he's speaking to you and saying, hey, you need to deal with that. Hey, you need to repent. Hey, we need to do something. Uh, this is the time that we need to answer that call. Amen. And so let's take a few minutes today and uh, examine ourselves. And again, we ask for reverence and respect to the Lord right now. Corinthians 11, verse 23. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this to remember me. So Jesus, we take this bread today and we understand that this represents your body, which was broken for us by your stripes and wounds. We have been healed, Lord. You paid the price for peace, for restoration and everything. Father, we love you. We receive this in remembrance of you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. So, Jesus, we take this today, and we realize that this represents the blood of Jesus, that our sins have been paid for, that we are forgiven, that we have been made clean on the inside. And, Jesus, you said to do this in remembrance of you. So we remember this today, Jesus, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Who knows that the Lord is good today? Can we give Jesus some praise? I mean, I'll have Pastor Josh lead us in nothing but the blood of Jesus here, and then we're going to close things out today. Amen? Let's go ahead and sing this together. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that. 
God the Father today. Amen. Who's thankful for the Holy Spirit today? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. All right, we're going to close out in prayer today. If you need prayer, I'll have some of the prayer team up here for you. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and close out. And we want to remind you, parents, that the kids have their general store upstairs and they get collect the prizes they've earned over the last month. We got service tonight at 6 o'clock. It's going to be incredible. So be here for that. And huh? 5.30 is Financial Peace University. So if you want to come check that out, it'll be next door in Victory Hall next Sunday. Be here next Sunday. Who's going to be here next Sunday? Amen. Yes. It is the big 75th birthday celebration. And I've got almost all of my siblings. There's eight kids in my family. Six out of the eight will be here next week. And that's one of the first times in a very long time that we've all been together. And uh, we're going to celebrate. There's a big dinner after the service. So next week we're going to stick around and just feast and celebrate. It's going to be awesome. Don't miss next Sunday. Amen. Let's close out in prayer. And then we will go ahead and do our Barstow Faith Confession. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what we've seen in the Bible today. And Lord, we thank you that the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of us. And Lord, I pray that everybody here will start cultivating that relationship with your Holy Spirit, that we will learn how to listen to you, how to receive you, and how to absolutely live our lives for you. We love you and we ask that you would use us this week to be the light of the world everywhere we go. And may the love of God be so strong in our lives that it attracts people to receive Jesus. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, can everybody say amen? All right, let's say it together. Say it loud, say it proud. Let's go. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you tonight. I've been held in you.